are tuned into CFCR 90.5 FM. It's time for the nerdy news. It's Punch Radio, and we have Brennan and Jody, and Dave is back this week. We will hear from Hank and Craig a little later, and it's my birthday. So, hooray for me. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yay. All right. Um, we got some stuff to cover today. We're going to talk about some comics, and Dave is reading the new Tarantino book. So since uh, you missed last week, Dave, uh, why don't you lead us off and tell us about this uh, epic that you're reading? Sure. It's, uh, I guess I should specify that it's called Cinema Speculation, because Quentin Tarantino has two books out right now. And, you know, maybe sometime soon I'll be able to talk about the once upon a time in Hollywood paperback, but I decided to read Cinema Speculation first. And I don't know if as a book reviewer on a nerdy radio show, I can like concisively recommend this book, but I am really enjoying reading it. I've really enjoyed how generous Quentin Tarantino has been to the podcast audiences, especially over the last couple of years. I know that he and his family have relocated, and maybe that's why he's shown an interest in showing up on podcasts that talk about movies and so on. But I find him to be a great interview, and I really just like listening to his perspectives on things. He's not trying to protect any image. He's not afraid to voice any opinion. And I think that makes him kind of a rare host on a sort of talk show or podcast format. So I've heard some of the anecdotes that he tells in his book because he's told them in detail on some of these podcasts as well. And since this book is probably only for the really like diehard Quentin Tarantino or, or cinephile fan, I would, I would have to say like for just a casual reader who wants to read a book about movies and movie history and the development of cinema, this would be a really tough read. He's, he's a good writer, but the book kind of serves the same purpose as an encyclopedia. It's like a place you would go to read about movies that you might enjoy watching. So unless you know as much about movies as Quentin Tarantino, you better read this book with your laptop or your phone handy so you can like research a little bit of what he's talking about. And I know that that's just not going to be for everybody. But I think much like George Clinton's autobiography, this is a book that I'll go back to just to flip through the pages and see the italicized titles of great albums, or in the case of Quentin's book, uh, great movie titles that I might want to get resourceful with and dig up so I can watch them. I think that's some of the best documentaries and, and podcasts and stuff do exactly that. Like they lead you to other things, which yeah, is well, we were. We, we were going to talk about a documentary like that that we saw recently. Do you remember what that was called? I do. Um, it's called Is That Black Enough For Ya? It's written and directed by Elvis Mitchell. It, it's out right now, brand new on Netflix. And it goes through the history of Black cinema, especially during like the Black exploitation years, which Quentin Tarantino is absolutely influenced by and loves and i'm sure he spends some time in his book ab ab with 
you know, these same suggestions. And there were, as we were watching this uh, documentary, there were like, we were taking notes like, Ooh, that sounds good. Oh, I've never heard of that before. Um, so, and that's what I enjoyed the most about that documentary. Yeah. And, and you can use cinema speculation in kind of the same way. It's just a little bit handier because you have it as a book in print. So you can just go back and flip through it instead of trying to, you know, fast forward and pause your way through a, a documentary about movies. Um, the one part of it that's maybe not too like encyclopedia like is that he tells a lot of cool stories about going to the movies when he was a little kid and expressly explains how those experiences sometimes led to like choices that he would make in his own movies. And those are cool things to read about, especially when you've seen all the films that he's talking about. That's maybe also the problem with this book though, is that if you haven't seen the films that he's talking about, and you probably haven't, then you, you do feel a little more like you're reading encyclopedia. So it's a book I'm really enjoying, but maybe not one that I can recommend to like anybody I know. <laughs> I, I love Quentin Tarantino. I love his movies. Don't get me wrong, but he does strike me as a bit of a blowhard. Like a lot of his characters, the, the monologues, like he's a smart aleck know-it-all. He likes to show off how much he knows and he does know a lot. He is a bit of an expert. This strikes me as like basically just kind of his verbal diarrhea showing off everything that he knows about film. A am I wrong? Let me just let me just ask you this question. What's the difference between what you just described and a nerd? None. Zero. There is no yeah, difference. See that that's why it's a good it's a good book to talk about on this show because if there is anybody I can recommend it to, it's those cinema nerds um, that are are going to be willing to treat it like an encyclopedia. And Quentin is probably the biggest movie nerd alive. He's one of them for sure. Okay, before we move on and throw it off over to our own movie nerds, Hank and Craig, what podcasts have you been listening to that have had Quentin Tarantino on as a guest that you would recommend or other movie related podcasts that you think are especially good and are worth people's time? I will narrow it down to one. There's a podcast that I listen to called The Big Picture, hosted by another great movie nerd uh, named Sean Fennessy. And they sometimes do an episode where they'll do like a movie draft. They'll pick maybe a certain year or a certain era or a certain Oscars or something like that. And four co-hosts will compete to try to take turns drafting one movie at a time. And then I think people vote on Twitter to like decide who won the draft. But there's one that features Quentin Tarantino as one of the contestants. And I think maybe Roger Avery, his co-writer on Pulp Fiction, um, is one of the other contestants <laughs> or participants in the draft. And that's a really good one. He's He is just spewing knowledge and recommendations and unabashedly brash opinions all the way through that thing. All right, Brennan, do you have any podcasts that you like? I do, and actually just sticking with the Quentin Tarantino, Roger Avery theme, uh, besides ones that they have been guests on, Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery actually host a podcast called The Video Archives. And um, that was, I think The Video Archives is actually the name of the store that he was the customer for and eventually worked at. And, and that's where he got his knowledge from. 
And they travel back in time and they actually go through the actual VHS collection from the store. Cause I think Quentin Tarantino bought the entire thing. So they pick one or two movies and they watch them. And then the two of them talk about it and debate about them. So it's everything from like controversial James Bond movies to exploitation movies. And the two of them just riff on it. Sometimes they have special guests. Uh, Eli Roth has been on there. Um, Paul Shear uh, and I think Jason Manzuka from How Does This Get Made are also on there. So Quentin Tarantino, Roger Avery have their own video archive website. So if you're interested, if you want more, more of this, but actually hearing his own voice talk for two hours at a time, then definitely check that one out. My other two favorite ones, I know this one I mentioned before, way back in an early punch episode, one of my all-time favorite podcasts is called How Did This Get Made? It's uh, Paul Shear uh, with his partner, June Diane Rayfield and uh, uh, Jason Manzukas. And they find the worst movies that have been made. They watch them and then they talk about them and they, they riff on them. It's absolutely hilarious. It's been, I've been following it for years. Um, I even go back and listen to some of the old rerun episodes and things. So that one is great. They're even pressing their Drop Dead Fred episode was so popular. They're, if you go through Bandcamp, you can get a, an original vinyl pressing of it. So they're only doing it for one month. And once they sell out, it's gone, but you can actually, they're actually printing records that you can listen to. So I'm gonna get one of those. My other movie one is called Unspooled, which also has Paul Shear in it and movie reviewer Amy Nicholson. And this is kind of like the opposite version of how this get made. So they are talking about the most, the biggest movies of all time, the most influential movies of all time. And looking back at them and saying, are they as good as people thought they were? And really doing deep dives on them. Kind of like what Quentin Tarantino would do, but not quite as in depth, but yet still quite entertaining. But what they're doing, they want to make the, uh, find the list of the best 100 movies ever made. And then they're going to shoot them into space in the hopes that maybe aliens will find them one time. The original uh, idea is what they went through the original uh, AFI, the American Film Institute list, and they went through all the movies to say, should this be on the list? Should it be ranked higher? Should it be ranked lower? That was the first season of it. And now they're making their own AFI list of the movies they think are the best ones. So yeah, those are my top three for movie podcasts. So if that sounds interesting for you, check them out. But yeah, they're all really, really good. Those were really good tips. Really good tips. Um, I don't do the podcast thing myself. But I do sometimes stumble into the kitchen when the rewatchables is playing. And that's another one that's actually pretty good. So, all right, we're going to throw things over to Hank and Craig and get their take on what's good on screens this week. And when we come back, Brennan's going to give us some recommendations on some new comics. So take it away, fellas. Hey, everybody. It's Craig Silliphant for Punch Radio on CFCR 90.5 FM. And I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Hank Cruz. Hank Cruz. Hank Cruz. That was Hank Cruz. I said Hank Cruz. <clears throat> uh, so we got a few things to talk about today, but I wanted to start, it, I wanted to start out with this press release which is either the most insane thing or like somebody is having a lot of fun. Uh, and actually, I would argue also did a very good job of, uh, of, of this press release because I've, I've talked about it on several media platforms now because it, and I've just seen it kind of going around. But it's from Kentucky Fried Chicken, 
And so this is in no way a commercial or an endorsement or anything, but I got this press release the other day from Kentucky Fried Chicken, and it says, KFC Canada goes all in on gravy to celebrate this holiday season. KFC launches Satisfy Your Gravings, a festive campaign complete with new gravy lovers offers featuring a young gravy soundtrack and the ultimate gravy contest. Now, that's just the headline. Uh, if you read the actual like copy, I won't read it all, but it's just the first paragraph even is funny or the first couple sentences. But uh, Toronto, November 22nd, 2022, Globe Newswire. It's gravy season, baby, and KFC has everything you need to let the good times flow. Holiday sweets can take a back seat to the savory goodness of KFC's new gravy lovers roster. And as the champion of gravy, it's only fitting that KFC scored the savoriest, that's what it says, savoriest, of soundtracks from the one and only Young Gravy for its festive rollout. You'll be singing, damn gravy, you so vicious, you so clean, you so delicious all season long. So anyway, it goes on to talk about some of the different <laughs> things they're doing. There's a sandwich, a bucket, feast, whatever. Uh, I, I just thought this was like, I, I've been, I got this the other day and I've just been laughing about it ever since. And I've showed it to a few uh, uh, news people in the newsroom uh, at work here. And it's like, every, everybody's just kind of laughing about it. So I don't know, you're going to get your KFC on this, this holiday? You know, um, I haven't had KFC probably in about... Uh probably 15 years i think just because uh well whenever they changed their macaroni salad recipe right. to go from like the good one to where all of a sudden it was like thousand island dressing in there or something i was like never again and then also yeah. you need a colgan bottle of water to drink after uh going to kfc so but now i didn't realize it was gravy season if i would have known that <laughs> i would have put, put that on the calendar like what do you wear for gravy season i don't even know well, i guess you wear a bib or something for gravy season i it reminds me of a couple of funny stories but like yeah i've, I've had kfc more recently but it's because my dad likes it uh i tend to go to like popeyes or something because they've got like way better sides uh but i don't mind the the chicken and the gravy and the and the fries at kfc but uh i remember the night my son was born it was my dad or my dad's birthday because my son uh, his birthday is the day after my dad's uh and so we went to my dad's for dinner that night to my parents and had kfc and then we got home and my wife was like oh I, like i don't feel so good uh, and so we didn't know if she just had like, you know, upset stomach from uh, eating greasy chicken while she was like so pregnant or was she going into labor? So and ultimately it ended up she was going into labor, but it, it was just a funny story. And usually then we end up having KFC like that night every year because that's what so punchers. Was. What you need to know is that if you're pregnant and you want that baby to <laughs> come grease out, the wheels. go to KFC, it'll start your labor. There yeah. you go. There's uh, anyway so that's my kfc uh story but uh what else uh what else have you got speaking of finger licking good um i watched uh the first two episodes of a new show called welcome to chippendales the origin story of uh steve Banerjee. Banerjee. Banerjee is his name sorry um so I didn't know if this is like a like an actual documentary or something. No, it's uh, Kamal uh, Ninjani. Kamal um, Ninjani. Yeah, playing Murray, uh, playing um, the actual Steve, the guy that came up with the idea for Chippendales. Right. Uh, so the uh, um, if you don't know, uh, it's the dudes that like take off their clothes. Yeah, and they do a nice choreographed dance. Yes, <laughs> yeah, no, they're non-nude though. They're they're non-nude, non-nude, and. Um, my favorite part so far in the two episodes i recommend it everybody you should watch it uh it's on disney plus it's a hulu show though it's not for kids it's on disney plus obviously chippendales but uh murray bartlett 
who played Armand in the first White Lotus. Right. He is a main character. He's the guy that comes in to actually choreograph all the dancers and really get involved in uh, Chippendales. He is fantastic. So fantastic in the White Lotus. And then to move over here, oh, he, he steals the show already. Two episodes in, they're about 40 minutes uh, each. Check it out. You got to watch So is Kamel a dancer? Like, is Kamel still ripped? Because he no, got he, super he ripped. Is, he is the guy that uh, he isn't ripped in this, but the suits that he's wearing is hard to tell, too. But he is the guy that actually owns the first Chippendales. Right, but okay. the origin story is he wants to start. A, he saved up all his money um, by working at a gas station and he wants to open a backgammon club. And this is like in the 70s and he goes yeah. to open the backgammon club. And of course, nobody shows up. And then he tries like 14 different other ideas and nobody's showing up until finally he ends up going to a... Um, uh, a club with his business partner and then uh, all of a sudden it's like is this a, a gay bar and they're like yeah and he's looking around at how much fun everybody's having and then these guys dancing and everything he's like i've got it dun, dun, dun. And then chippendales yeah nice. <laughs> but then uh, there's some murders thrown in there and uh, a few other things going on so it's uh it's a uh, um drama uh comedy uh a lot of uh dancing action in there too yeah what a so far what a lot of boys how many yeah. hunks what's the hunk you know scale? what i would say uh the hunk to non-hunk ratio in here is a little off there are so many hunks okay good I, I, there's gotta be well you can't have a show about chippendales and you got no hunks i mean seriously. And speaking of hunks of flesh you see where i'm going with this one uh, <laughs> it was, uh, was forced but i'll allow it the series finale of the walking dead came out now i won't spoil it for people that are we're going to watch it or maybe some people that wait for the whole season to end and now we're going to binge it all or whatever uh what i will say is um i'm still waiting for the series finale because what i saw over the hour and 20 minutes or whatever it was was just advertisements for their spinoffs right for the, for the walking dead universe oh That's we're going to do this we're going to do that we're going to do this that that um the actual like finale i'm like are you kidding me like that's it like the emotion was like they showed some clips of characters throughout the years or whatever, but it was uh, a complete waste of time and a letdown, um, which kind of goes along with uh, when they jumped the shark before. I thought that they would at least finish on a high note, but no, it's, hey, look, Daryl's going to be back. And oh, look, Rick and Michonne are going to be back. And it's like, oh, let's look at this. And I'm like, yeah, enough, enough Walking Dead. Yeah, that's lame. I mean, uh, I know we talked about it a little while ago, and like I was trying to force my way through it at the time. Uh, I think I'm still about to see, maybe I'm at the beginning of this latest season now, and I kind of fell off it again, but I was trying to catch up before the, the ending came, and I just never made that what, happen. What, what's the point? You know, that they like just, a good ending on it. honestly, you could just go and watch the finale, and it doesn't matter what happened between the first episode of this season and the end. It doesn't matter. Like, there's like, who cares? Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, that's that's sad. Sad. Yeah, very sad. Um, and you know all those zombies um that are wandering around. You know what the most the saddest part about that is, that they don't get to celebrate things anymore like Christmas. They also don't get to celebrate anything like birthdays. No, they never have birthdays anymore. No. Do you know who does have a birthday though? I do know who does have a birthday. What? Who? It's our host and intrepid leader of Punch, creator of Punch. Jody Kason. It's her what? birthday today. It's her birthday? No way. <laughs> Happy birthday, Jody. Happy birthday, Happy Jody. Birthday to you. We could be a sing along uh on the radio, but uh you know, I I don't know if a lot of people would actually sing along at home, so 
but you know, uh, it's, it's too Jody. bad we don't have her on this video chat right now. You know, talking about Chippendales and everything. You should see the look at me dance. Boom! Happy birthday, Jody! Woo! So many hunks for your birthday. So many hunks. Yeah, right on. All right. Well, I think that's what we've got today. So let's throw back to the birthday lady and uh, everybody else and say happy birthday, Jody, and have a great week. Woo! Happy birthday. Woo! Aw, thanks, fellas. Okay, Brennan, you have six minutes. Two minutes each. Here we go. Uh, my first one I want to talk about uh, Pink Lemonade number two. I've talked about Pink Lemonade before. It's written and illustrated by Nick. Cagnetti, I'm sorry, I probably pronounced that wrong. Lettered by Francois Vignolet. Pink Lemonade follows the adventures of a character named Pink Lemonade who rides a motorbike. She wears a helmet all the time. Her scarf is always in like blowing out action, even when she's standing. And she finds herself on the movie set of Mr. Ron Radical, who's like the big action hero star. She interrupts the filming and now they want to make her the next big star. But of course there's corruption in this fantasy Hollywood type world. The art is fantastic. Imagine like Mike Allred meets Peter Bag meets um, Jack Kirby. It's dynamic, it's bright, lots of backgrounds, crazy perspectives. The nice thing is she's an innocent character. She wants everyone to be happy, but not in an overly naive way. She's just like, why aren't we happy? Let's do things that make us happy. I wanna drive around and do nice things. It's really good, it's so much fun. So if you haven't already, check out Pink Lemonade. This is uh, issue two of volume two. The next one, issue one, just came out. This is called I Hate Fairyland, written and created by Scotty Young, drawn by Brett Bean, with coloring by Jean-Francois Beaulieu. Um, this is volume two, so this is the second part of one called I Hate Fairyland. I picked up a cover that had a different title on it, which I didn't even notice until I picked it up. So there is a more adult-oriented one. So we follow the adventures of Gert, and in the original story, in volume one, uh, Gert made a wish to always be happy and to be in fairyland and it'd be the best thing ever. She wanted to be taken to a world of magic and joy and she's taken there and discovers she does not like fairyland. So uh, after years of getting older and being bitter, she becomes sort of like this ultra violent sort of like hater of fairyland, I guess, and, and gets up to a lot of adventures. This one starts, she's now back in the real world and she can't get a job, she doesn't fit in, she doesn't know what to do. And of course, someone might need some help and she might be asked to go back to Fairyland. So she doesn't want to obviously, but she also hates being in real life now too. The art is very, very cartoony and it works really, really well. Lots of different perspectives again, um, over the top action and like parts of it, it almost reminds me of like Ren and Stimpy meets high, high caliber cartoon with a little bit of Oh, uh, the animated band, uh, Gorillas. Is that the band that's all animated? Yeah. Gorillas. Gorillas, yeah. This could be a gorilla comic. Like, that's what the animation looks like. It's really good. It's, it's really fun. So I would definitely check that one out. And the last one, more of a traditional superhero comic. This is Stargirl, The Lost Children. Um, this one is written by Jeff Johns with uh, art by uh, Naya. And I forget his last name, and I don't see it right here, but you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, Stargirl is teaming up with Arrow and they've been getting voices and hearing things that there are some children that are lost. And they're not just any children, but they're the, they're the lost sidekicks from Golden Age Heroes. And there's all these sidekicks that have disappeared and no one knows what happened to them. And in this comic, they have a lead 
or they think they can start to find these lost children. I love when they tie things back to golden age. Um, it's like, I love all-star squadron JSA. I've, I'm still more of a JSA fan than a justice league fan always have been. So the fact that the, you know, star girls back like the modern version of Starman um, is really cool. This is a continuation of a special that came out last spring. The art is great. There's a bunch of cameos already. Uh, the, the specter might be one of the voices that they're hearing quite possibly. There's the unknown soldier at victory tomb. So who knows who's, is that the actual unknown soldier? Somebody else. Um, the art is fantastic. It's, it's very much like you know, Jeff Darrow meets the other guy who, uh, uh, Gary Frank, the other artist that works with Jeff Johns quite a bit. Really nice classic looking artwork, but also with a modern twist. So really dynamic, tons of backgrounds. Like there's no wasted space at all in this comic. And it really takes you on a nice quick adventure they feel it's like Back to the Future. They kind of throw in a whole bunch of backstory in the first few pages. It's like, here's what you missed. But you know what? Issue one was really good. Uh, the art's really clean, looks really great. And of course, there's a cliffhanger ending, and someone else is also looking for the children. And I quite enjoyed it. So there you go. Three good recommendations, all in different veins and, and, and genres and styles. But uh, yeah, go check them out. Pink Lemonade for your Kurt. Now I'm trying to talk too fast. Pop Art, <laughs> Jack Kirby. I hate Fairyland for more of a gorillas cartoon, Ren and Stimpy type of thing. And then Stargirl for more of a classic comic with some very clean yet modern looking art. Awesome. And very succinct. You got them all in, in time. But Woo! that is our time. So we are wrapping up yet another episode of Punch Radio here on CFCR 90.5 FM. You know where to find us here every Friday at six. And in the meantime, keep your dukes up.
One dream come true, you won't.